Ready this evening. I'm glad you came back. It's a, a great turnout for Sunday evening. Uh, I know it flooded at the house, uh, and I didn't get any hail, but we did get a lot of rain. And Patty and I were driving back. It was flooding between here and uh, the side of Reno, and Patty's driving, and she said, this is what it means when the bottom falls out. <laughs> and I said, well, this is what I was always told. It's a gully washer. You ever heard that? <clears throat> but it was flooding, buddy. Let me tell you something. It was getting it done, but we got a lot at our house as well. So, But anyhow, let's look at some things this, this evening, and it ties with this morning. Um, and a couple things I want to share with you this evening. I want us to look at some scripture like we always do. I gave you the copies. Um, some of it I changed up. A couple of these are Christian Standard Versions, and there's one that, that's the New American because of where Paul's talking. It's specific. The, the wording I like is specific out of the New American Standard. And so I want to share it that way with you as well when we get into that passage, and I'll tell you about that. But this morning we looked at what the Bible has to say about the need to be like Jesus. Those were some keys that I was talking about this morning, is we want to be like Jesus. And that's not something new. It's not rocket science. I mean, we want to be Christians, and we are Christians, and we want to be Christ-like, but we want to be like Jesus. And that was what we talked about this morning. Now, as Christians and followers of Jesus, displaying the characteristics of Jesus through our actions and our words should be a priority in our Christian ministry, not just something that we come into the church house to do. It should be a priority in our ministry. We should be able, people should be able to say he or she is a Christian just by your actions and your words. That's what we want to know. We want people to know who we are and what we are based on the actions, based on the things that we do, the way we act, the things that we talk about, the associations that we have, and we want to make sure that people can identify that, all right? So we want to make sure of that, all right? Display it. Jesus was the role model and example for Christians to follow. He gave us the pattern. He showed us what to do. He showed us how to love. He showed us the way we should act, the things we, that were important, the things that were important to him, and the things that should be important to us, how other people's uh, livelihood, how other people's thoughts, how their feelings were more important than his own. He cared about people more than he cared about the fact that he was going to the cross. All right, Not that he didn't care about it, but the thing is he was more concerned about providing a sacrifice for the sins of the world than he was concerned about being the sacrifice. That makes sense? All right, And that's the way as Christians that we should be acting. All right, He came to this world to serve and to show God's love for his people. We referred to this this morning, Matthew uh, 20, 28. Um, it says here, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. One sentence has so much information in it. God sent his Son, but the Son didn't come to be served. He came as a king, but most kings are served, right? They have servants, and everything that is handed to them from start to finish, they are served. But this king, the king of the Jews, Jesus Christ, the king, came to serve and to display what it was like to be a servant, all right? And that was one of the things we talked about this morning. A servant is so important. And Jesus Christ came as a humble servant. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, all right? Now, Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus displayed the role model of a servant, all right? While the focus of Jesus was always on the cross, he knew that. that every step he took was toward the cross. He was going to the cross. That's where the sacrifice was going to take place. He never deviated from it. But, but along the way, he, was, he gave us an example of what it would like to serve and what we, how we should act and what we should do, all right? Now, his ministry consisted of changing people's lives through acts of service. 
All right? When he, t- when he talked to them, he changed their lives. When he touched them, he changed their lives. When he healed them, he changed their lives. When he just ministered to them and comforted them, he changed their lives. He provided something that they did not have, and he changed their lives. He's still in the life-changing business today. Now, in order to be able to see the need to be like Jesus, in order to, for us to comprehend it and understand it, Christians need to use the example that Jesus provided us to serve the way that he served. Now, let's look at Philippians 2, uh, 1 through 11. This is something that's important. There are a couple things I want you to think about. And, and as we work through these verses, I'm going to ask you a few questions at the end. I'm going to ask you a few questions about them. But let's just think about them as we're reading through them, all right? Starting in verse 1, if then there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, look here, heavy, heavy, heavy words coming, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at, so at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. All right, looking at that passage of scripture, I know it's a lot, it's a big paragraph, a big passage of scripture. What stands out to you in verse two? Just that one verse, verse two, look at that. All right, tell me some things that stand out to you in verse two. All right, united in spirit, united in one spirit, united together. Unity is so important. United in the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit lead us. All right, all united together through the power of the Holy Spirit. What else? One purpose. That is so important as well. God's purpose, God's mission. We don't all have different agendas. There's one agenda and one mission, and it's God's mission and it's His agenda. All right, all intent on the same one person, uh, one purpose. What else? Having the same love. That, you know, the word same stands out in this passage, okay? Having the same love that God had toward us. We, we love because why? Because he first loved us. That's exactly the way Jesus modeled for us. We love because he first loved us. Having the same love that he had, showing God's what kind of love? Agape love. What is it? Never it's never ending. But what is it? When, it, when, when I say agape, what does that mean? Unconditional. Right? There's no conditions on it. All right? It's the same kind of love. All right? What else? A couple, one more, one or two more things. Thinking the same way. Well, that's the two. You nailed both of them. Thinking, all right, just like Jesus thinks, all right, just like he thought, thinking the same way that he did. Right? Those, are, those were some keys. Just that one passage of Scripture, those things stood out with me. You know, I wrote down five things, all right, that, well, there's actually one more. All right? Give me one more. 
joy. All right, what kind of joy? Complete joy. Now, and, and when we talked about this morning, if you'll think back to this morning, I referred to the word full, fullness. All right? So to be complete, it must be full. All right? So I wrote fullness of joy. All right, because it, it has to be complete. Same way of thinking, same love, unity, one purpose. All those things just jumped out at me when I looked at that that one verse of scripture. All right, let's look at this. What what stands out? It's not near as much, but what stands out to you in verse five? Attitude, same attitude. All right, attitude is not always bad. When people say you have a bad attitude, that's always bad. But when people say you have a good attitude, that's good. But having the same attitude as Jesus Christ. All right, um, what what stands out in verse seven? Just one word that really we talking about a lot here today. Servant. The word servant. All these are things that are pointing. You know, Paul's telling us some things about Christ Jesus. He's trying to give us a, a model example of how we should be acting, the way we should be thinking, the things that we should be doing. Okay? All right? And then one more. Let's look at uh, verse 9. What stands out in verse 9? All right, so, so name that is above every name. So, so do you see power in that name? Yeah, power of the name of Jesus Christ. There's significant power in not just Jesus, but the name of Jesus. All right, and, and, and for, it goes on for at the, at, the same, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Not just Jesus, but the very fact of his name and the power that's in his name, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right. That's a lot of good stuff, ain't it? And we just hit like four verses out of the whole passage. All right, let's look at this. The nature of a servant points to a humble position in society. All right? When we think about servants in today's world... It's a humble position in society, all right? When you go back to the first century, it was a lowly position in society, all right? But a humble servant uses his or her abilities to glorify God. Now, let's think about modern-day humble servants, Christians, all right? They use their abilities to glorify God and for the well-being of other people because the Bible tells us to think about others first, all right? Jesus Christ exemplified the position of a servant through his willingness to serve people without exception. All right? So the willingness is one that thinks is important. Is Christ willingly did it. He wasn't forced to do it. He did it willingly. All right? And he did not call out any particular group. All right? It was all or nothing for him. All right? And it was all. All right? So it was all the same for him. He willingly did that. All right? Now... Jesus' willingness to enter humanity and fill the role of a humble servant was based on his obedience to the will of the Heavenly Father because God planned it that way because that's what we're supposed to do and he was willing to do that. Now, let's look at it as a Christian. The willingness of a Christian to fill the role of a humble servant is demonstrated by Jesus and it's based on the Christian's obedience to follow the example that Jesus set. It comes back to our willingness to fulfill the role that we've been given as Christians, to, to walk the same walk that Jesus walked. And we talked about that this morning, about being like Jesus. We'll never be 100% like him, but we're made in his image, and we're supposed to walk the way he walked and love the way that he loved, all right? And through obedience. And obedience is not a new word for us in our studies, all right? Let's look at this, and here's some fill-in-the-blank for you. 
All right, I know how much you love filling the blank. All right, obedience is displayed by one of three ways. All right, you look at all of them, obedience. All right, obedience can be displayed as a sense of obligation. All right, something that you have to do. You're forced to do it or else you're paid to do it, but it's something that you're required to do. It's an obligation, all right? That's obedience. Number two, obedience can be displayed as a sense of duty, all right? You're in the military or you're signed to something, but it's a sense of duty, okay? It's a requirement to, to the, for the job that you have, all right? Obedience can be displayed freely. All right, these are the three ways we look at obedience and how it's displayed. And we're going to get it a little bit deeper. And I'm going to get into some Genesis here. And so Patty and Miss Jerry probably can, can comment on that because it was in their Sunday school lesson this morning. All right. Huh? All right. So I'm looking for some support there, Miss Jerry. All right. Genesis 12, 1. The Lord said to Abram, go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. All right? Now, Genesis 12, 4 says this. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when they left Haran. Now, Abraham displayed obedience and responded. He did that. All right? He displayed obedience and he responded. But here, blank he responded how? With or without hesitation, or let's just say without hesitation, how did he respond? Based on the ones that I've just given you, freely, duty, and obligation, how did Abraham respond? Freely. freely. All right, he responded. Now, he responded freely without hesitation. This is what's important to the Lord's command, all right? Judges six twelve. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. So who are we talking about there? Anybody know? Gideon. All right, so let's look a little bit further. The Lord identified a farmer named Gideon as a valuable, valiant warrior or soldier who served the Lord. But when you think about the, the, the actions of Gideon, Gideon would become a great servant of the Lord, but his obedience to the service came after a time of hesitation, just like some of the others we've talked about. All right, it came after hesitation. Now let's look at Galatians 6, 9. Now, this is important for you to hang on to this verse right here, all right? Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap the proper t- reap at the proper time if we don't give up, all right? So, so important, as important as that is, as Christians, let us not give up on what we're doing. As members of Pine Hill Baptist Church, as just attenders of Pine Hill Baptist Church, let's don't give up on what we're doing just because it gets hard or just because it gets difficult or just because it doesn't go the way we want it to go. The Bible says that we should not give up, okay? All right? Galatians 6, 10, uh, 6, 9. Christian service has its ups and downs. Would you agree? Yes, it does. All right? It has its ups and downs. There are times when Christian ministry is serving on the mountaintop and there's other times when it's serving where? In the valley. All right, it can be in both places in between. There's good times and there's bad times. There's struggle and there's good times, all right? Now, the promise found in God's word in Galatians 6, 9, let us not get tired of doing good, all right, is an inspiration to help us to keep going. Now, let's look at three things on your handout. Christians serve in three locations. You agree? We're going to serve in three locations. We're going to serve in family, church, and community. 
All right, let's look at these individually. Christian service begins where? If it's not at home, it's hard to be anywhere else. All right, it begins at home. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we should make it a priority to lead our family on a spiritual journey of growth in Christian ministry. All right, Christian service places the needs of other people ahead of our own. Our desire should be to see God's church function and fulfill the purpose that it was created to do. We, we come into this building to worship. We come into this building to study the Word of God. We come into this building to grow closer to each other and to grow closer to God. But the church in itself, we should have a desire that this church function the way God created it to function. Amen? That's what we're seeking. And if any other, anything else is unacceptable, all right? It should be seeking the identity of the church. Now, the church should seek to identify and meet the community's needs with the resources that are available to that particular church. Now, our service ministry extends outside of the church building. So let's look at Philippians 3 and look on what Paul says. This is the passage. Let's see. I think this is the one that I changed up. Yeah, this passage I took from the New American Standard. I like it a little bit uh, the wording's just a little bit different, but that's the two that I study anyhow, all right? So let's look at 12, Philippians 3, 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, I, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus, all right? I press on because here's the thing is we want to take hold of the thing that Jesus Christ has taken hold of, all right? Because he's our model example. Brethren, I do not regret, I regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Again, there's something that's important, all right? So we're going to have to look hard at this verse of Scripture here because it, Paul is telling us there's some specifics about putting the past behind us, all right? <clears throat> all right. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many are as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you, met, you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross. All right? Now, Paul says he hasn't arrived at full maturity. When you think about it, the apostle Paul was walking with the Lord. I mean, there was a time in Paul's life when he was Saul that he was strictly against the Lord. But you think about his life and the ministry that he had when God changed him on the road to Damascus. He was walking with the Lord. And all the way to the point of death, Paul had never reached full maturity. You agree? As Christians, will we ever reach full maturity? Not on this earth. All right? All right? So, so none of us have reached full maturity. That is the reason we come to church. That's the reason we study the Word. That's the reason we meditate on the Word. That's the reason we have fellowship. That's the reason we have Sunday school. That's the reason we have small group church services. All these are things that we want to expand on, striving toward maturity. All right? But he says here, he was pressing on toward knowing Christ more and more 
every single day, all right? He was unsatisfied with where he was and wanted to keep growing. Let me tell you something. I'm unsatisfied with where I'm at, and I want to keep going. You agree? That's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure that you're not satisfied where you are in your ministry, not satisfied where you are as a Christian, all right? Not that you have to be winning lost souls to the Lord every single day, but you need to be striving to do the exact things that Jesus wants you to do every single day, not just on Sundays or Wednesdays, all right? Seven days a week. It's extremely important that we pay attention to Philippians 3.13. This is important, all right? We'll go back to just part of it. Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Paul's specific about that. I mean, he's telling us to, to forget what's behind and reach forward to what is ahead. All right, let's look a little bit further. Basically, what Paul is saying, and here's a fill in the blank for you, is we should have a blank memory. What do you think about that? Short memory. There you go. It was hard pulling that one out, but we got it. All right, we should have a short memory. All right, just think about it. She hurt my feelings yesterday. He hurt my feelings yesterday. All right? I'm just thinking about it. I'm just giving you a little example. We need to have a short memory. To become the Christian that God wants us to be and fulfill the purpose that he created us for, we must have a short memory and have a clear direction of where we're going. Because do we live in the past? No. We live in the present for the future. But we don't live in the past, correct? All right? All right? So with what aspects of yesterday should we forget? What is Paul telling us that we should forget in the past? Everything. All right? And here's a little Clint Eastwood for you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All right? Y'all remember that one? Nobody? I get a little bit. Anyway, I just had to put that in there. All right? You have to let go of your successes and your failures all right, and the way that others have hurt you. All right, I'm just, just giving you the facts here. It's not that you don't remember the past. All right, you certainly can remember it, but it's that you don't allow the past to control the factor in your life. It's not longer the controlling factor in your life. The past does not control you. When, when Satan tries to remind you about your past, what are you supposed to do? Remind him about his what? His future, all right? So he's the only one reminding you about your past, and that's what Paul's trying to, to tell us here, all right? Now, here's some things. It's not, what you, it's not that you don't remember the past, but you don't let it live, uh, control your future, all right? There's a phrase, and I read this down. There's a good phrase that says, don't spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror, all right? And I didn't write this, but I got this. Don't spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror. There's a much bigger piece of glass called the windshield, all right, and that you have to focus on because where you're going is a lot bigger and more important than where you've been, and that's our Christian walk, all right? Where we're going is more important than where we've been. The way that you get over yesterday is that you focus forward to press on, and that's your fill-in-the-blank, all right? You focus forward or, or have forward focus, and you press on. Paul tells us that we need to press on toward the goal, press on toward the, the prize of Christ Jesus, take hold of what Jesus took hold of, all right, and press on. That's why Paul pursues the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus as his goal. Now, Paul is looking to the future and not to the past. Here we go. The words, I press on. When you look at this in verse 14, the words, I press on, means to follow after. 
That's what it means to follow after. You look it up into the Greek, it means to, it carries the idea of an, an intense endeavor, significant, intense endeavor to press on, all right, to lean forward. And, I, and, and this analogy I, I was sharing with Patty, if you think about chariots, when they had chariot races, all right, and in, 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 the, uh, in the movies, these are really pretty things, right? Huh? Y'all, remember, y'all ever seen those? They look good. They got spikes on the wheels. You got pretty horses. All right. But you think about the chariots that they raced with. They had nothing to hold on to in the chariots. All right. And so Paul's, his, he's going to talk about athletes. But in the chariot, they would lean forward because they were bracing themselves. That was the only thing. They, they pressed forward and they leaned forward in the chariots to hang on because all they were holding on to was the, 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 Reins of the horses that was ahead of them, but they pressed on toward the goal. Paul's saying that the future is, is what's important, all right? Now, it's an endeavor, a constant pursuit of something. That was one of your fill-in-the-blanks, all right? Constant pursuit of something, all right? Now, this is, gonna be, this is where we're going to get some, some, some audience participation, congregation participation. Paul relates the Christian who serves using an example of an athlete. Do we have any athletes in here? Roy told us he was an athlete yesterday. I told him yesterday he was going to bring it up. Huh? We, five of us went to Miss Dola's yesterday. Roy was one of them. And coming back, you know, Nurm and, and Roy do most of the conversation. I was just listening. But Roy shared with us that he was an athlete. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but Roy did make a non-professional football team or something. What did Roy? Yeah, it's a little Believe that? Y'all didn't know that about Roy, did you? Huh? I didn't know it about Roy either. But let's look at this. Paul relates the Christian who serves as an example of an athlete. An individual does not become a winning athlete by doing what? Listening to lectures, by watching movies, by reading books, by cheering at the game. Any of that happened uh, with, with Noah, William? Is that where he got his athletic ability from? Other than the, gen- the genes that you gave him? Huh? He didn't get it reading books, all right? So let's look at this. He or she becomes a winning athlete by getting into the game and having the determination to win. You just think about it. This is where we're going to get serious right here. I'm fixing to break some things down to you. This is, I told Patty last night. I said, Patty, I got something special for you tomorrow night. She said, what is it? I can't tell you. I told her. about to tell you now. So this is going to either determine if I go home with her or if I go home with y'all. Are you ready? All right, remember this phrase right here, determination to win. All right, that's what Paul's talking about. You might not not consider playing a friendly game of cards as being something that produces an athlete. All right, you might not think about that. Card games might not produce an athlete. Now, I'm not talking about poker. I'm talking about a friendly game of cards here, all right, and a friendly game of cards. All right, now, you might not think it produces an athlete, but it does produce some pretty significant competition, all right? Now, Patty grew up playing a friendly game of cards called contract rummy. Y'all may or may not have ever heard that, all right? She taught it to me when we got married. I'm pretty sure that Eli taught the Jones family how to play contract rummy. Is that true? All right. So, see, they know that it's not, it's not something bad, all right? Just think about it, all right? Patty and I play this game of cards several times a week because there's a fact that there's nothing on TV. I don't know if y'all realize that or not. Uh, we scan the channels. Nothing's on. Turn it off. Go play this game of cards. All right. We do this several times a week. All right. I'm going somewhere with this. Y'all stay with me. All right. 
So we sit at the table and play this friendly card game. But let me reassure you that she plays with the determination to win. You with me? She's got the same determination to win. And most of the time, she does. All right? I'm just telling you. I'm going to teach y'all to play. Then, then y'all going to know. All right? But she, and she has no mercy. All right? That's what I'm talking about. All right, it's clear that she is pressing on for the prize. Now, any athlete who has a competitive spirit about them plays with a determination to win. This is the same attitude that Paul displayed in serving Christ. He had the attitude to win, whether it was winning people to Christ. But his attitude was to fulfill the, the, the call that he had on his life. That was the determination that he has. Here's the thing. We as Christians at Pine Hill Baptist Church should be determined that we're going to make sure that this world sees the love of Christ, that they see God's word being spread, that they come to know him, that they grow closer to him because of our determination to win those people to Jesus. All right? The Christian runner must realize that God has work to do in him and then that they are going to, if they're going to win the race. Now, here's, the, here's what's important. God works in us so that he can work how? Through us. He, he does a work inside of us. He changes us so that he can do a work through us to help influence and change other people. All right. Now, as we serve Christ, God is able to mature us. And here's your, another fill in the blank. You've got two to go. He's able to mature us and strengthen us for the race that's ahead because it is a hard race. It's a long marathon. I shared that with, with Nick and Heather. It's not, it's not a, a sprint. It's a marathon. All right, we're on a long-range marathon, so he strengthens us for the race that's ahead. Now, what Paul is trying to make clear is that as Christians, we should have a what desire to serve like Jesus and to press on toward the goal. Now, the goal is to spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven, and in order to reach that goal, we must take, have to take hold of that which Christ has took hold of for us, all right? We must serve God and his people the way that Jesus demonstrated that we should serve. Amen? You got it? All righty. Well, that's it. And that took all the energy I had left. All right. Any questions? Well, I'm going to do one thing before we wrap up, and then we're going to turn it over to Brother Wesley. All right? Any questions? Anybody want to share a testimony? Silence. Silence. All right, so here's the thing. Let me ask you something. Has anybody seen God working this past week? Have you seen him working anywhere? Where? Anybody share with me. Boom. All right. Nothing better than that, is there? God working right here. Well, he was working, uh, you know, and that's something I said. I, I, our children's department leaders are second to none. I'm so excited about the children's department ministry that has it. I'm excited about the, the, the whole ministry here. But think, when, when I get to talk with these young people, they're already educated to the, to the, to the facts. They already know where they're supposed to be. They already know what, what's going on. And that's awesome. But that's it. Anybody else? Anybody see God working anywhere this week? I honestly see God working my life every single day. I mean, we live in a world where it's easy to get discouraged and it's easy to concentrate on the bad things. And you see in those cartoons with the little devil 
Amen. All right. Anybody else? Um, I know, and it's been commented several times this morning. Uh, last week, you came and gave an announcement that I had texted to you. Um, that heart felt I had texted into the hospital to get my update that morning. Uh, he had not been awake for two days. He was still sleeping. Um, it was very disheartening to not have any improvement in him. It wasn't unusual in, in this whole process. I mean, it was baby steps where we were like, he opened his eyes fully today. Yay. He moved his hand an extra, a higher inch higher today. Yay. We've got improvement. It was so hard. But then when he had spent a day previously sleeping and then woke up and had improvement, we were on two days in the morning still and he had slept. And it's like, you know, are we going to wake up and see more improvement today? And I sent that text because I needed you guys to be praying and know you were praying. And then no sooner than I sent it, I, I had breakfast, I went into the hospital, and his eyes were open and he told me good morning. And um, that was God working. Amen. I know he's got this. And whatever happens, happens, and I know he's with us through it. Awesome. Anybody else? I believe it. I can see it in John's face, the way he feels better today than he did last Sunday. You know, you can see it. God's working in his life. All right, anybody else? I don't, you may, I mean, I've never done this before. I've never asked for this, have I? This is the first time, and you see, I just lays on my heart that that's, I want to I know if you've seen him working, because I've seen him working all week. I mean, he works every aspect of it. And I've seen him working in Patty's life all week, the way she's studying for this 30-minute Sunday school class where she puts 52 hours in preparation for it. You know, it's like, are you still are you still studying for that? It's just 20, 30-minute class, right? It's laid out in the book. All you got to do is read the book. Huh? There you go. Nature. Absolutely. I have one. We're seeing more interest in the Bible study. It's going strong, and we're seeing more interest. Some younger interest. Awesome. All right. If Devin was in here, he could share with us how he saw God moving. Uh, Or that was Darren that saw Devin moving. We'll get Jason to run that video next week so everybody can see it. All right, anybody else? All right. Well, let me close this in one one last time. Anybody else? Trish? Awesome. Thank you, Trish. Anybody else? All right. All right. Well, let's close in prayer and we'll turn it over to Brother Wesley and his, his awesome choir. Father God, just come before you this evening. God, just thanking you for another awesome day in your house. God, just another awesome day to, 
to get into your word, God, to study your word, and God, to have fellowship with like-minded believers. And God, the fact that we want to grow closer to you, we want to, we want to see you, we want to feel your presence. And Father, we want to be like Jesus. We want to walk the walk and talk the talk. And God, we want to, to strive to be as close to, to the pattern that he gave for us. And God, just to, to let other people know your love. God, to share your, your love with those that are, that are not know who you are, that don't know who you are. God, just help us to be strong and bold and proclaim your word. And God, not hesitate to share your word in those situations, in those places that we go. God, just thank you for the praises. God, thank you for the way that you're working in the lives of those in this church and the way you're working in the lives of the family. God, we just thank you for the testimony. We thank you for the the power that's in your word, the, the power that's in your in your abilities to touch lives, God, to change lives, to improve lives. And God, I just continue to, to ask you to pray in those situations. God, we just we lift it up to you. Father, we continue to pray for, for, for those in need in our church and, God, those around us. And God, I just pray, and I, I thank you for the progress that has been made. But God, I just pray and ask you to, to keep our eyes focused on you. God, help us to make decisions that would glorify you and and would be pleasing to you. Help us to move together as a church body of believers, God, that that have one purpose, and that purpose is to make you known to a lost and dying world. God, I thank you for for everyone that's here tonight. God, just thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the love that you give us, and thank you for the sacrifice that he made. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.